Well, I was a classic nice guy, and my whole life at that time was trying to please this woman. It's a huge death, a huge ego death to all of a sudden lose your, your marriage. The game is rigged right now against marriage. Male isolation is a villain. And so we're talking life and death stuff here. A lot of the times couples counseling will do more harm than good. Psychotherapy is like a bowl of warm water and you just dip your wound in it and it feels good. We're in this together, you know, one way or another and we gotta figure it out. Just being a man and owning that is enough. Welcome to the Wayshowers podcast, the show where we speak to leaders in the field of men's work about the challenges and opportunities that we men face in the 21st century. How are we doing and where are we going? In this podcast, we will find out. I'm your host, Ivan Figenskev-Schellum. I'm a writer, men's coach and founder of the Reclaiming Inner Throne Men's Initiation. And I am excited to welcome you into another rich conversation with leaders in the field of men's work. Today, I speak to Gabriel Kassan. Enjoy. My story, I guess, is interwoven with the story of men and these these times. And um, I guess um, crawling out of my own hell and uh, going through the divorce, you know, the the career that I hated, um, and the depressions, uh, the I don't know what you could call mental illness or dark nights of the soul, and then finding ways through it, uh, and then hearing the calling and stepping into that calling to say yes to uh, guiding others um, one way or another whether we call it therapy. Um, and we were just chatting before the show about why therapy often doesn't work for men. Um, and as a rogue therapist or ex-therapist, there's a lot of reasons why I answered the call to step out of the discipline of therapy and beyond mm. it into the wild west of uh, personal growth and coaching uh, because men need to be confronted and men need to lead and remember how to lead. And so um, I speak generally in men as as men, but it's because I'm on that path myself. Yeah. And um, so yeah. I might understand then that you have a, a past as a licensed psychotherapist that is trained in the system. Yeah, I did six years as a therapist, somatic therapy and art therapy. So that's okay. the way I came into it. Mm. um with those those angles and uh so even then it was like hybrid hybridized and uh um one of the things that was really significant for me when i went through it was that my cohort in my training was 25 26 women all women instructors and i was the only man in my cohort mm. and so there was something about the intensity of that art therapy training uh that missed the mark for me. I, I knew even before I, I enrolled that I was here to help boys and men because that was what I saw in my vision. And um, men need men to do the work. We can't, we can't do that in a, in a group of women or with a, I mean, there's things, you know, you can, that can happen in co uh, 
co-gendered space, but um, as you know, there's there's nothing like uh, a band of brothers and a, a really powerful uh, facilitator mm. uh, to help men raise their standards, challenge us on our bullshit, yes. and, uh, and step through to the next level. What was the experience like for you to be with those 26 women for, I don't know how many years? Two years. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it was good to also just engage with the learning. Mm. Um, But it was, I was long overdue for what I eventually discovered on the other side of that experience to be called men's work. And I remember coming out of those two years and I found a men's group and I was just like, I need to to get involved with these guys. Mm. (laughs) And it was like, it was it was like essential. I was like, I just need I just need a bunch of men here because I got all this training, and um, there's a lot uh, of times where I actually butt heads with my director, um, who is a very uh, founder, uh, very dominant alpha woman archetype, and uh, and so we we butt heads because she also didn't know how to handle me. She she I, I think she said she'd never had a man like me in her program, and. Um, yeah, so there was some there was some stuff to dust off between us too. <laughs> well, that relationship sounds interesting in and of itself. I am curious if there was something that you would just really, really clearly felt that there's something missing here. There's something that is just not satisfying my, my appetite for, I don't know, truth or intensity or rawness or. What, what what was the quality that you wanted as a man that didn't come through with all of these women? Well, um, one way of saying it is masculine strivings and mm. um, our aspirations and our uh, the way men have been sedated. And I myself, even in a in a tradition like therapy, is is incredibly uh, uh, feminine. It's incredibly receptive. It's an incredibly mm. soft art. Like it's a subtle art. I'm not. You know, like, um, it's not a, it's not a place for that masculine striving that, uh, that's going to, you know, punch holes in walls and break, break, break down structures or build structures or go out and hunt and fight. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I grew up playing hockey, so I'm familiar with also what it's like to be pushed and Mm. to be in a fight. And mm. to be punched in the face and to be in a space where that's encouraged and actually part of the culture, fighting's part of the game. Mm. But when those uh, parts of us as men get demonized or pushed out or, yeah. uh, you know, and that we're expected to just play in um, basically a space where the style of communication is uh, women's style of communication. And like, I I know you're a a scholar who followed Robert Bly's Iron John. And one of the first things he says to frame up his unpacking of Iron John was that there are women's myths and there are men's myths. And there's a reason why there are different stories uh, in ancient times so that men could come of age and to grapple with what it means to be men. And women could do that in their spaces. Well, what I found in my training was I felt like I was going through a women's space. Mm -hmm. And that's why not only was, did it not work for me, but that's what I see uh, inside of why therapy doesn't work for men. Cause men actually need to be confronted and challenged. 
I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work globally. There are things that can happen in there. Uh, but a lot of guys end up coming to work with me after working with therapists or couples therapists who completely couldn't uh, grok or make sense of them. Like it, it was, it just didn't work. I'm not surprised. My experience with psychotherapy is that it's very sanitized and there's all kinds of sort of ethical guidelines that involve the therapist not really sharing themselves and their own life. And you're not supposed to be like, two humans relating to each other. You're supposed to be psychotherapist and client and all of those yeah. things. They just, they just fall flat. You know, they, they don't work for me. Uh, that's for sure. And, uh, I actually, I, I went to gestalt therapy back in the days and I, I ended up with a woman, but, um, but at that point, I don't think that mattered that much, but, um, at this point, um, I don't need therapy. I'm actually doing really well, but you know, if, if I were to go to somebody at this point, it's like, yeah, of course, there's a huge difference between men and women. And I think that difference that you felt is not often un understood or even talked about, um, these days. So, so then something doesn't work out with art therapy. You, you get the, whatever the license or the degree or something, and, and then you, you want more men around you. So you end up in a men's group. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about that experience. Uh, well, it was an MKP style group, mankind project and mm. uh, integration group. Mm. Um, and I saw men who were not trained therapists doing deeper and more powerful clearing work with other men, just as common men, like not in this ritual space. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that opened my eyes to how, uh, also, um, when we actually reclaim the ritual um, pieces of mm. doing this work, uh, mm. then, you know, what? who is it who says that? I think it's either Hillman or um, who talks about how modern people are essentially tone deaf when it comes to ritual. Like there's, yeah. there's a lack of ritual literacy and that... Um, that's what I got in, in that men's group is kind of opened my eyes to a practical application of warrior, king, lover, magician, uh, and, and go, oh, okay, there's a road here. And it felt like it was a road that had been cooking and, and building for 30 years since those mm. guys founded Mankind Project. Yeah. Um, and of course, there was even things lacking from that that was missing um, as, a, as a nonprofit organization. It, it attracted a certain... I don't know, victim mentality um, mm. and beautiful work, you know, beautiful men supporting each other. Uh, but I also didn't feel called to stay with that organization and, and you know, um, become part of it. I learned yeah. what I learned and then I, I carried that forward into the different um, programs that I create now and that I facilitate and deliver uh, to transform men's mm. lives. Mostly right now around preventing divorce. That's the, the focus. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you experienced one yourself then you, you said. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, it's a huge death, a huge ego death to all of a sudden lose your, your marriage and uh, your identity. Mm. And especially if there's a family involved. Mm. Um, yeah. There's nothing more destabilizing into a man's question of who am I <laughs> as a divorce. 
um, especially if it's messy. So that's um, part of the mission now is is supporting men to master their married game and uh, prevent divorce and and show up in that in that have it all way of being the connected dad, being the man their wife desires. But in mm. order to do that, he has to respect himself and desire himself enough to invest in his next level of mm. excellence and mastery and um, path, really purpose and path. Mm. So this this initial divorce seems to have left such a mark on you that it's become the gateway of much of the work that you're doing in the world now. Is that partly my own divorce, but also I noticed the pattern in my work is that many of the men who ended up working with me were coming to me because everything else in life was okay. They had a career going on or the fitness wasn't an issue, but it was like, I need help or I'm going to lose my marriage or, you know, my girlfriend's going to leave me or however you want to frame that. Um, that was often the burning pain that brought them in my door. So we'd work on that and resolving that. And then they realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually here for me. I'm here to make me who I'm here to be. And, uh, and that's deep and can be deep and painful work uh, when those structures of identity are fixed and mm. are hard to transform. Um, yeah, but that's that's the hallelujah and the homecoming is on the other side of that, saving the marriage, going, oh, wait a minute. The whole reason I did this was to, to get here and to be the man. Mm. Mm. So when you look back at, at your failed marriage, what are some of the key lessons that you take from it? Um, well, I was a classic nice guy mm. and... I didn't have the uh, balls, the heart, or the backbone to put my purpose first. Mm. And my whole life at that time was trying to please this woman. And I was entrenched in that rescuer mode. uh, Also because she had a son and I was the stepdad. So Mm. for four years, I was the rescuer. I was making everything good. I was taking care of them, but I wasn't leading. And that's Mm. the difference between rescuing versus leading. Um, And as soon as I started to make the moves to lead, she left me. Like it was like, oh, okay. She wasn't here for me and I wasn't with her for the right reasons. Um, and that's why I wrote my book entitled it alive on purpose, because it was after that, that my initiation into this purpose path really began and seeing purpose as the center of man and the focus of every man's work is to uncover that and to advance it and to renew it and to keep going with it. Mm. Great. So. So that's a story that I think a lot of us have lived and that I hear also a lot. Like I was the nice guy. I didn't have a backbone. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have a clear sense of direction. And um, it's, it's a big challenge in our culture, I feel. that There's way too many men who are stuck in that place and are thinking that it's actually a good thing. And it clearly isn't. Yeah. And everything is pointing men in that direction. And it's pointing to this inversion, this 
Absolutely. masculinized femininity and this feminized masculinity mm. and look where it's leading us. It's leading us like to collapse and through collapse. And yeah. so once men start leading better and taking ownership of their power, uh, we're going to see the world change and that's happening in it's happening in ripples. It's happening in, in small, quiet movements of men showing up, doing the work, um, going to the brotherhoods, going to the, you know, investing in coaches, uh, creating businesses, all of it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited. It's an exciting time to be doing this work and seeing it evolve. Do you buy into this? Um, I, I, I saw, I saw on your Facebook wall, um, I don't exactly remember the words of your meme, but something like what a trip to watch weak, weak men create hard times or something like that. Right. Uh, do you buy into that whole sequence? That strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times. Yeah. It kind of, it makes sense. There's a, there's a sort of mm. natural logic to it. Like it's, it's, mm. it's, uh, yeah. Uh, are we there at the end of the sequence? Like where, where weak men have created hard times? Well, I think that's only one reality. Like, mm. I mean, I know that you're inside this work too. So I'm sure you're seeing men die, uh, dig deep and turn around, uh, their lives. And yeah. so you're part of this men becoming strong again, men becoming men again, ultimately, um, and finding their leadership and, uh, and finding their edge. And so that's, that's happening. And so it's only, it's only one reality. And like, I'm very careful with where I place my attention. And if, if mm. the distortion and the spectacle gets too loud and ugly, I put up a boundary and I say, you know, I'm here to create what I'm here to create and let's do this, you know, let's make it good for, for yeah. our creation because because all that noise is going to continue to distract us no matter what if we let it it's a difficult thing for me actually personally in my own work because one of the things that i have a gift for is to see beyond the veil so i see the workings of the system or the matrix so whatever and when i focus too much on that i stop creating my own solution i stop creating my own path and so there's there's a way to find the sweet spot between the two that I keep dancing with. And I find that it's, it is a struggle because it's so enticing to be, to be digging in somehow and like revealing. And because there's, there's a bit of a rush kind of like being that boy that is uh, hunting for treasure. Maybe you've been given a treasure or like a map by your parents and you going around the garden and the X marks the spot. And there's like, okay, I go down these various, avenues of inquiry and I find more and all of that stuff, but we can get lost there, right? I can. So is that, is that something that you're finding to be a bit of an issue for you or are you just fully focused on your own creation? Um, oh, no. It, yeah. It's a dance. I agree. Like I, mm -hmm. but I, I, I think when it comes to, um, like even on my, you know, just yesterday I had coffee with some guys I know and they immediately want to start talking politics. And of course, being in Canada, they start to want to vent and rant about Trudeau. And we, mm. I, we, we talked about whether or not we were going to talk about Trudeau. <laughs> speaking, speaking of weak men creating hard times. 
Yeah, um, I mean, he's the prototype of that. But but there's a deeper dimension to it. And this is what I noticed inside of our therapy groups. And with my supervision, we would have um, chances to really unpack the themes of what was coming up when we did uh, uh, art therapy groups with kids. Mm. Um, and this is no different, really, than groups with adults. But uh, you, you want to track the themes that are coming up. So I remember some kids were talking about the election. This was years ago. Uh, and they were, there was like a anger at the president or there was an anger at the prime minister. And there's another way you can read that in a, in a very gestalt approach, which is to see that as the father figure of the nation. And mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like a hologram of doing father work when we can project all of our rage onto some buffoon of a leader and, you know, make it all about him because on another level he is a father figure in the distortion whether we agree with it or not that's what's happening um so like i feel myself getting all riled up <laughs> even as i talk about it because of the the direction that things are going on that level um yeah, but yeah it, even it's... in men's groups you'll see men like talk about uh, presidents and, 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 and really it's a big betrayal because it's, it's this disconnect between reality and what the people are experiencing and the spectacle and the distortion that, uh, you know, CNN is telling us or whatever. And I even heard yesterday, CNN shut down now. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know some office that is shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And so the distortion is, is uh, melting in my, in my, view and it's yeah. it's collapsing even quicker than anything and it's really just time to organize the and question the question is what goes down with with these systems that's one of the things that i'm looking at to to minimize the amount of human suffering but yeah. ultimately what can i do i mean <laughs> these are huge forces in the world and yeah. and on some level it's absurd to even consider that somebody might imagine trudeau as a father figure because he's so clearly juvenile and yeah and um and yeah you're probably right i think one of the challenges that i think most of us have as men is like okay so we're on purpose ideally like we're doing this work but there are still these systems that are run by children or like they're men but they're basically emotional toddlers and we're so heavily impacted by them and it doesn't seem like there's anything we can do really. Like, how am I supposed to remove corruption from politics? It's like, there's not much I can do. So it's almost like there is this fatalistic, like, okay, I guess the world is going to go to shit and I just keep doing my thing. And that's the only thing that I can do is, is that, is that where we we're at? You think, or. I don't know. I remember reading this book. Uh, what was her name? She was a Buddhist teacher. Um, Joanna Macy, or is one of her books, maybe World as Self, World as Lover. And she unpacks yeah. some of these Buddhist sutras. And it mm. was just a beautiful unpacking in this uh, way. She was talking about how that there, there's this trend where when there's a corrupt empire, the, the center of power is inhabited by idiots and buffoons and yes men, right? We know this. And our yeah. periphery, are are the intelligent people who mm. who are are so turned off by the corruption 
that they're going to go hide in the mountains or hide out in the desert and go to Burning yeah. Man or whatever. Like, so there are, there are powerful people who for generations have been avoiding the distortion mm -hmm. um, and not wanting to get in towards the game. Marianne Williamson talks about this too. Uh, and she actually took some action. She, she actually ran for office. And I think you can see it now with RFK um, taking a stand and saying, you know what, we need to, we need to bring this game back to the people. Um, Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, so I think there are people who are starting to turn around and and the, to complete that thought about um, Joanna Macy's sutra, mm. she said that eventually uh, in systems theory and systems thinking, those intelligent people on the periphery will eventually find their way back to the center as the center and the distortion collapses. Yeah. So now is the time more than ever why I feel aligned with this call to action for men to stand up and lead, to stand mm. up and have a voice, to make a difference, to build their world stronger because we need strong men leading. And that ripple effect is going to create even more influence where the intelligence that's been marginalized at the periphery mm. is going to find its way back into the center one way or another. And uh, there is going to be, you know, real change. It's, it's just got to come about, you know, at its own pace. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so tell me, the men that you work with, what what kind of patterns are showing up? What are some general headlines of themes and struggles and breakthroughs? Um, I think the the trifecta of insanity is always at play when a man is tasked with leading his work life, leading his career to the next level. Um, that's one, one of, of the trifecta showing up as the dad, the connected dad that he wants to be and, and, the uh, the husband. So those three roles, and of course there's more than those, but even though those three is enough to make a man feel like he's pulling, being pulled apart. Mm. Um, and so that's what a lot of the frameworks uh, that I guide men through are there to help him master himself and stay on center, stay on axis in his leadership uh, role and to be able to have it all, to do it all, to be it all, um, you know, one bite at a time and then just show up and create systems for himself uh, that can transform the the turbulence and mm. yeah, often it's because there's turbulence in the relationship. That's like I said, why most men come in the door. Uh, but then through coming in the door, we're, we're going to look at all four of his kingdoms. I like to say your, your body, your being, your relationship and your business. And, mm. and when you look at those four kingdoms and you kind of notice what's out of whack, then you can, start to make those daily investments and those daily commitments to um, tending all those kingdoms and advancing mm -hmm. them as needed. So that's some of it, but usually it's, it's the relationship like, you know, threat of divorce or possibly mm -hmm. infidelity or uh, yeah, there's, there's a roadmap to recover from infidelity that I've created that works and it's deep work and it's messy. That's why I don't post too, too much about my clients. There's a lot of 
bragging in the online space about your client work, but the work I do with clients is so private um, mm. and so personal. It's hard to quantify it and say, well, this is the, the thing, you know? Um, but what we know is that you need to keep the love alive in the marriage if you're going to optimize, you know, and lead in your work. You, you, it's hard mm. to lead in your workspace if the relationship is uh, conflictual or, or, or just not working. Um, yeah. So for the man who's currently struggling with those three that you call the trifecta of insanity, uh, for the man who's listening and hearing that and yeah, he's, he's, he's feeling the heat and it's, it's feeling lonely under, under pressure, distress. Uh, what what does he need to do? What are some keys? Well, I like to say asking for help is a power move. Mm. Uh, and coming out of isolation, like you named it, isolation, male isolation is a villain. And uh, denial of that villain and the effects of that villain is a killer. It will take men out. Mm. Um and so we're talking life and death stuff here uh, when it comes to the, the pressure men are under um, and the tendency for men to self-isolate. So, right. re, you know, finding a way to connect and center yourself on the path, whether it's a men's group, a men's coach, um, a program where you're, uh, you know, being seen and witnessed and, uh, supported to make the decisions you need to make the powerful decisions that's that's what you got to do and um yeah and break down all of those uh conditionings that say we're supposed to figure it all out ourselves. <laughs> yeah is that the biggest one for men to get over that one the self-isolation no uh, the the thinking that i need to get it all or figure it all out myself yeah, I mean, there's lots of layers because the victim, the victim mentality or the limiting beliefs will come in and mm. show up in mm. many of those four kingdoms, uh, whether it's time scarcity or um, just the not enough gremlin, like thinking that he's not enough and uh, being run by that. Or, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, but when, when, when men come together and really mastermind on how they can optimize and change their thinking, because what, usually what got you here, is not what's going to get you there. If you have I think that's fair a to vision say. Mm. of where you want to go, that feels impossible. And a lot of the times the other big villain is losing the vision or lacking the vision altogether. Cause we can get into a reality tunnel where we're just, we're just spinning our wheels, taking care of the creation that we have created without seeing where we're going and losing the destination. It's just like they say, uh, without a vision, the people perish. And inside the family system, leading that vision is part of the man's uh, duty to mm open those courageous conversations with his wife and say, what are the visions you have for mm. where we're going? Mm. 
and let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we really want and, and come together around that. And so there's the vision and then there's the rules of engagement inside of the relationship and, and the roles and the agreements mm. um, and moving from expectations that are unconscious to conscious agreements. That's when we move out of, you know, shadow and trouble and get into really truly sovereignty and like being kings and queens supporting each other in that visionary work. Yeah. That's obviously a world of difference. If we don't walk around expecting other people to satisfy our needs and desires without communicating them. I do. I guess it's one of those common experiences that we men have is that we are expected to read the mind of our, our woman. <laughs> I mean, we can have greater or lesser abilities to do that, but it's a, it's a bit much to ask of us that we should know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and ultimately women, they mostly usually just want to feel uh, our presence. Mm -hmm. And when you can read that feedback and go, mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I need to fill this bucket right now. I need to fill the relationship bucket and put some attention here and create that um, routine, like the non-negotiable once a week date. That is mm. just an absolute essential um, yeah. twice a week if you want to improve it um, so that you can keep the love alive. You can stay uh, in touch joyfully, not just with the laundry list of things you're taking care of as you know, husband and wife, but really just for enjoyment. And that's, that's sort of bare minimum to, to make sure you're connected. Yeah. It's, it's Sunday for us at this point. Yeah. But it's, it's so nice to have a, a whole day, just like zero practical stuff. It's just, it's just chilling and enjoying. And it can be very simple too. Like the, the last Sunday we, we just went to a local farm and had a wholesome meal and we just hang, hang out and played with our kid and had a good long conversation. This doesn't need to be that fancy. That's my experience. Quality time. Yeah. 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 There's something that I want to explore with you though, because you tell me that you come from a nice guy background and now you're talking about leadership. Leadership, obviously, if you're not coming from a balanced place, can move towards tyranny. So, so we have this spectrum where a guy is is really weak or doesn't doesn't have a spine doesn't say no doesn't doesn't lead as you say um and then because because his edge because his agency because his direction has been poorly honed it, there's this there's this process where he, he can misfire you know they can there can be all kinds of um it, it, yeah painful, chaotic experiences along the way there. So I'm curious, say for instance, that you lead as a man and, and you have a little bit of that nice guy left in you. So maybe it's a little bit wobbly. I, I really hope that she follows, but may, she doesn't. And you feel it's really important that she follows. And, and where, where do we balance? Where do we, how do we dance that dance that, that, okay, so she's not going to follow, but I feel like if this is important and if she's not following, that feels undignified on my end. There's something that happens on me that I feel weak or 
how do you how do you find the balance what have you found as as you go out of being a nice guy and as your clients go out of being a nice guy um well i think there's a there's a point uh of not um being uh not caretaking mm. and um in a way, when we uh, reparent ourselves, you know that's the, that's an aspect of the work. We mm. re refather ourselves, and uh, and then with our partners, we can be uh, paternal sometimes, like mm. um, take on almost like a father role for your wife, because in a way we are that too, uh, and we play out all these different archetypes in in inside of it, uh, and I think being okay with somebody's tantrum or their disappointment or their anger is a part of having that containment and that backbone mm. uh with kids in parenting uh gordon newfeld uh who's a parenting expert attachment expert wrote the book power to parent mm. um he talks about tears of futility and how there's a time developmentally where kids need to cry out their futility tears when they can't get what they want. <laughs> and that's an essential stage of development so that that tantrum is not going to happen when they're 16 or when they're 25 or 55. Mm. They need to feel disappointment and feel the edge of that. And so that happens for us in relationship too. We're not always going to get what we want and it's not going to be perfectly attuned all the time. Um, Sometimes we're going to want different things. And so I think there's an edge to leadership in terms of the marriage and relationship um, where the nice guy has to let go of needing to please. That's the whole trouble to begin with is mm. I want to be liked. I want to feel like I'm the good guy. The nice guy is typically afraid of being an asshole, afraid of being a jerk, of being yes. the tyrant. So the, the, the whole specter of the tyrant itself and the fear of it is what keeps him trapped in the prison of nice guy. Mm -hmm. But if he was anchored in his purpose, anchored in his leadership, leading like a lighthouse um, and not caretaking in that role, but, and not rescuing, then, uh, then things happen. And leaders, leaders uh, are going to get, um, they're not, it's not always popular. The decisions you got to make as a leader, sometimes you're going to make a call that, even those closest to you in the in the leadership game are not going to like, mm. and you got to be able to reckon with that anyway, and just get better at communication. Does the man always lead in a marriage? Absolutely not. No, it's a dance too. I I don't even think. I'd say leadership is a robe that you put on, and you did you see that in in um, uh, certain men's groups where there's an agreement where the facilitator rotates and mm. different men will put on the role of leadership and they'll sit in the facilitation seat uh, for that night. Uh, in, in Mankind Project, they call it king. They call it the king. Who's going to king the meeting, you know? Um, so I, I think sometimes like the, the wisdom of elderhood will speak through the mouth of babes. And there's, there's like a little signal of leadership there. And so it, leadership's not a, a personality or a, um, a fixed position. 
it's a presence. And so that presence is going to come through me sometimes. And sometimes it comes through my wife and then it, mm. <laughs> it brings me to my knees because I'm acting out in my own <laughs> childish wound or my own idiot or whatever. <laughs> I've been, I'm, I'm also the, the idiot husband uh, much of the time. Um, but that's also part of just owning it, owning it all. <laughs> Popularly featured in cartoons and popular culture in general, the idiot husband. Yeah. And also it's the stuff of stand-up comedy because yeah. comics are the only ones who can stand up stage on stage and tell the damn truth. And, it, and, and one of the biggest areas of content for comedy is the war of the sexes and the, you know, cause it, it's immediately polarizing. You get up there, you start talking about men and women and sex. <laughs> the whole room has got you, you know, you got the whole mm. room in your, in your palm there. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's a it's a good entryway into stirring up the shit pot. Um, How do you feel about women in the world in general? Where are we with the gender wars? How do you feel? Um, well, like I've I've four sisters, and they're all really um, powerful uh, career women. Uh, I'm happy for them for mm. who they are. I'm proud of them for who mm. they are. Uh, and I mean, we could open up a whole rabbit hole, but I, I don't always feel it's relevant to, to go there um, mm. because my focus is on empowering men to lead better. But if men and mm. women are having troubles finding love, there's definitely the flip side of that pattern of, of, uh, of sedated men and systemically sedated men is um, lots of boss girls. I think I wrote a post on yeah. Facebook that went viral boss girls and nice guys. And that was the way I described this inversion yeah. and it triggered a lot of people. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of hate on, on the post, Good. but interestingly, because I was in speaking leadership by saying the truth of what's happening as a pattern, half of the people hated what I said. And the other half of the people thanked me. They were like, thank you for saying that. I need that kind of help. I'm such a boss woman or like, oh, I'm such a nice guy or whatever. Yeah. So I think we're, we're in this, we're in this together, you know, what, one way or another, and we got to figure it out. And ultimately I'm not into debating ideology. I'm here to solve practical problems in people's lives and, mm. and make them work. So people are fulfilled um, so that they can have their families and have the sex life, have the love that they desire. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and what is it with the men that you work with, uh, Gabriel, that turns it around for them? Is there a recurring theme for a breakthrough or a mentality shift? Um, I think just, uh, a lot of it is just relational, relational, um, skills mm. and yeah looking at who they are and where their patterns come from and breaking down the patterns so that's where the psychotherapy tools come come in handy and uh you know because we're usually uh forming our sense of who we are based on the examples of our first love and yeah our first love is our mom or our and our dad our parents. Mm. And so those are our examples. They're like gods to us when we're little. They're like, mm -hmm. dad is like, like this God and mom is this goddess. And how do we 
reckon with becoming an adult? How do we become a true adult and communicate that and work in partnership with our wives and build, rebuild the world? So it, it sounds very much like uh, an iterative process. There, there aren't typically a lot of like game-changing moments, but it's just brick by brick by brick you build the house of your new marriage. Yeah, and it's it's also just waking up to patterns and moving from unconscious expectations, which are so easy to slip into, mm. and then moving towards conscious agreements. One mm. of the metaphors I have for the married marriage is the two marriages. And one marriage is the one that happens in the church or the temple, the, the one that's in the daylight, and everybody cries, there's vows. It's the one everybody knows. Mm. But there's a second marriage that's happening in the basement. And the basement of the church, proverbially, is the unconscious. And that's where the shadow contracts of the two souls get exchanged. Mm. So also, that's where our unconscious expectations and uh, patterns come in. Where I like that. Yeah. All the patterns get laid down. Like, I'm going to initiate sex. I'm the mm. one who always does that. Mm. I'm going to plan the date. Or I'm going to take the garbage out. Or I'm going to cook the meals. Or who's going to do what and how that gets laid down as two people bring their lives together is very unconscious. We don't have a cultural roadmap of how to bring two people together. Cause when you do that, you're ultimately bringing two families together. That's mm, what's happening yeah. is there's yeah. one family system trying to replicate itself and another family system trying to replicate itself unconsciously. So unless the couple wakes up and creates consciously their unique way, then all these forces are going to come, come at them and, and um, cause trouble, possibly. Yeah. My fiance, the 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 mother of my my son, um, she's from a Hong Kong family. They grew up uh, um, grew up until she was thirteen, I think, in Hong Kong, and then the, the next fifteen years or so in the U.S. And two families is one thing, but you can add also two cultures or two religions or to whatever. So there are layers of complexity there that really, it is, it is a pretty high level game actually. And I, I don't know that we know that when we enter into it, it's just like, I'm sure it's going to work out, but we actually do need the, we do need the katas in the dojo in order to get somehow fluent with, with the art of being in a relationship, being married to someone. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate that you seem to have dedicated your life to precisely that because it's, it's a massively, it's like a hole in the culture. Like you, you fall in love and then you join forces and then it's just sort of magically supposed to work out. But I, I don't know that that works so well for us. And it, and it, and and the game is rigged. The game is rigged right now mm. against marriage. The programming Absolutely. Is, is telling men and women that they don't need that. Yeah. And a lot, especially career women like who I think Jordan Peterson has a whole um, like a two or well, three minute video. on. There's the father of Canada for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, yeah. The, of these women who are like at the top of their law firm and that they're they're They've achieved. They're these high achieving women who are now they're 33 or whatever, and there's no um, appropriate suitor for them yeah. because there's nobody who can match them as a 
in, in income or, or just such a mess. in who they are, but their bodies are screaming. I just want to make a baby. Like that's what their biology is saying. Their instinct, instinctual nature has been overridden by this world. Um, and so there's these two tracks, right? What, what women are, are being shown as how to be a woman in this time. And then the inverse of, of what men, what's going on for men. When you, when you really start to understand what the origins of feminism is like you, you, you get to be rather jaded uh, around, around the place we're at because obviously feminism really found its rocket fuel in World War II, right? Like we can do it, women to the factory, we'll make it happen, you're strong, you can make it happen. And then men are off dying and so the women step into the man's role and then the men come home more or less traumatized, many of them dead. And now the women are at work and they need to be at work. But actually, actually, if the women hadn't started working at that point, inflation would have become visible. Hmm. It wouldn't have been possible for much longer for just the man to keep a household running. But now, fortunately, you have two working. So you can hide it for many decades that your currency is completely screwed up. And in the process, you can convince women that they're fighting for their own liberation, while in actual fact, they have just been indoctrinated to become part of the same beast system that the men have been part of all along. It's yeah, a, and they're fighting for their enslavement, actually. It's an incredible psyop, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it is. And I think the initial impulse had a very different prior like to all of that point, yeah then then what's happening today and and um yeah i think we're on the same page there and i, I don't i like i say i i i shy away from engaging too much in ideology and and um and for good reason academic, i'll give you that i'll give you that <laughs> because i'd rather solve people's real life problems mm. and you know what's happening in the bedroom or what's happening in the bank account um and that's where we can take action um, but but you're right, and it's fascinating. And like I academia it, has yeah. has become uh, indoctrinated, where feminism is the new hegemony, which is so ironic yeah. because it was supposed to be critiquing power. But now you can't question it. And I know that uh, personally from going through training. I remember writing in my thesis. I wrote my thesis on boys groups, therapeutic boys groups, mm. and what I did was in the boys groups, the boys would wrestle because they were sorting out their hierarchy. And that's what wasn't happening in their school classroom. Mm -hmm. So the teacher told me that was kind of what they needed to do. So I, yeah. we had a rug and I'd let them wrestle it out. And then I wrote about masculine strivings. And I, I remember uh, how vital it was for these boys to sort of get the chance to wrestle with, Rough with and supervision and, yeah. and then sort out their, their, their friendships and be like, oh, okay, they, they bonded, you know, they gelled. That's what happens when, when guys can wrestle it out mm. and, uh, but my thesis supervisor was a woman mm. and she immediately dismissed it. It fired all her feminist triggers. And she said, well, I don't see why that's relevant and why boys and girls are any different. Or, I don't know, for whatever reason. And I was under the pressure to get my thesis done. So I literally didn't at that time have uh, enough presence to uh, stand up to her. Mm. So I actually just edited out that whole section of my discussion of my thesis about 
the the wrestling matches in my boys groups. And now I can't believe I did that. Like from this point of view, where I've been doing jujitsu for a year and a half, coming back into martial arts, seeing mm. the value of the primal, seeing the value of why we need yeah. to revive that warrior spirit. And it doesn't mm. happen in the in the mental. It happens in in the bones and in the tissue. Um, so yeah, if I could go back, I would rewrite all of it with a whole new angle. Um, and, and as a reclamation of those warrior spirits, even from those times, um, when we're boys, I think this is why we're going to have higher education in the way that we have it now for only another couple of decades, and then it's going to be gone. Yeah. Well, even I think Jordan Peterson predicts, I think that a third of universities are going to go bankrupt in the next couple of years because people just aren't buying in anymore. It's they're selling a product that is absolutely of the lowest quality and they're charging premium. And it's obsolete. It's becoming obsolete. Yeah. If you want to learn how to do something, um, I'm I'm with Elon Musk in that way. Like you're holding this this phone in your hand, and it's a supercomputer. It's a film and TV studio. It's a store. Like you yeah, can yeah. create an online store with your damn phone. Mm. Why would you go into debt to get educated um, that teaches you that you're anything other than powerful and capable of creating anything you want? Um, I completely life. agree. And I'm, I've been working with men for more than a decade and be helping working deeply with hundreds and more superficially with thousands. And a recurring theme is how mind blown that I am by the, the appalling service they've had through the systems like psychotherapy. I know there are good psychotherapists out there, but I had just literally a discovery call the other day 30 minutes and this guy had gone to a therapist for like five years and in a discovery call 30 minutes i nailed a lot of themes that five years with a therapist hadn't revealed and i was just like i believe it is that even possible like why why would you even spend those years and i don't know how much money that is but it's a lot of money to get a psychotherapist yeah. degree um it's it's starting to get to the point where it's it seems counterproductive actually so i don't know maybe as 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 men we are like in the middle of like rebelling and it's taking back the truth and making something of ourselves in a sovereign way without actually buying into all of these indoctrinating nonsense systems that we seem it's 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 almost impossible to avoid that in the systemic approach like the the academic approach and like where are you going to find truth there anymore so, so i think it's it's a crazy it's a crazy thing that we've ended up here yeah and again it's it's often isolation because people don't know where to turn they don't know yeah. where to find the help and so they yeah. just go where they're taught to go you know um and yeah. for, in terms of couples, a lot of the times couples counseling will do more harm than good. Mm. I've, I've, I've witnessed that. When, well, when people come to me, um, often it's the man who is not leading where, yeah. the way he could or should. Yeah. And he gets to me and he says, yeah, we saw a couples counselor for a while, um, but most therapists are women. Like, I think it's at least three quarters. Yeah. Um, and uh they're going to be speaking and communicating in the female mode of feeling. 
mm. not the male mode of feeling. Mm-hmm. So if that if that guy uh, has some some work to do, and if that therapist is not going to pick up on it or get attuned to it, or if she's you know it's not going to work. You, yeah. you need to he needs to be engaged, and he needs to be able to um, contribute to that conversation yeah. Yeah. and that navigation. So yeah, I. I think just also breaking the spell of what of of what the the way that the game of therapy and counseling works is part of why what you or I might be doing uh, works yeah. because we're not going to hide who we are. We're not going to hide that we have frameworks and proven pathways that work. Yeah. And that if you yeah. really want transformation, you got to go to somebody who knows what the path looks like and how to how to kind of get on it. With, with all due respect to the profession of psychotherapy, there is there is too much of a sanitized approach. There is yeah. too much of a um, mechanistic approach. I, I, no wonder you, you came to the conclusion that therapy doesn't work for men. Because I think, well, as a man, I need something that's... I need to touch it. I need to feel it and it yeah. needs to be immediate raw and james hillman wrote the book we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and the world's getting worse so yeah. i think there's also the intimacy uh with the world that he writes about how you can't uh sanitize the process and disconnect it from the troubles of the world and mm-hmm. men if we're going to be men we have to not only take care of what's going on within ourselves. But we have to connect that with our calling and with the world yeah. and with the world that we're making. So there's a way that that's off limits in a typical psychotherapy where they're like, well, we, this isn't coaching, right? We're not we're not doing leadership and we're not doing confrontation. We're just getting curious and holding. I say psychotherapy is like a bowl of warm water and you just dip your wound in it and it feels mm. good. It's like, mm. oh, OK, this is it's soothing. And yeah. there are times where it's the right thing to do. But what men more often need uh, is uh, there's this meme floating around of, of a Chris Williamson interview. And he says, well, when you can't treat men's and women's depression the same way, hmm. men's depression looks different. And men, if a man had a clear purpose and a way to achieve it, he would crawl over broken glass with mm. a smile on his face, mm. you know, and that's what's gonna, that's what men need to wake up is we need to be in touch with our purpose and that fire in the belly. Yeah. Um, and that I didn't learn in, in therapy training. I did. I learned more of that in ritual space and in medicine spaces and in indigenous contexts, uh, which is a whole other can of worms. So moving forwards then into this very uncertain and chaotic future, I do ultimately personally have a great deal of hope for the long term, uh, less for the short term. I uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, as we look into the future, what what is your vision from men? Um, I uh, I see the processes that have been lost Mm. by modern world, the process of initiation. Mm -hmm. I see the revival of those happening more and more, and it's happening from the ground up. You can't 
you can't institute that shit. Like it's, it happens in common law jurisdiction. It happens when men come together and they realize that in order to be strong, they need a band of brothers and they band together with other men on the path and they create what was missing for them in order to, um, what's that saying? Um, if you haven't been fed, become bread. Hmm. I've never heard if you that. Haven't, if you haven't been fed, become bread. And then, you know, be, being the b- broken bread is that's part of, of the transformation is giving what you needed that you didn't get. And you, mm. you see this with parenting. Parents do it all the time. Mm. Um, but I think as a culture um, who's stuck in an adolescent uh, moment in its evolution, we need uh, to remember how to become adults again. And that's through initiation. And men's initiation spaces and culture needs to be rebuilt and it is happening but it only but it but it has to happen more and not only just with men who are you know 35 and up who are going through it and realizing they need to do it but it has to start with youth and those mm-hmm. those uh pathways of initiation need to be revisioned and recreated uh through powerful alliances and networks of 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 men who are doing the work mm-hmm. What would a a good and effective initiation look like? What does it involve? Uh, it involves completely losing sense of yourself and being utterly deranged, and then um, coming through the other end of that, uh, uh, reborn, reconstituted, reconnected with your faith, uh, with who you are in the context of where you stand in the world. Uh, that's what it looks like, and. Um, there are ways, there are ancient ways that are trying to make their way back into this distorted modern world. And there are leaders who are bringing those ways back in and finding ways to um, uh, create roads for them and to monetize it and to turn it into legitimate businesses that are run with integrity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah. So do you you see then... I noticed you said something earlier, something about Mankind Project being an NGO. And I got the sense that you have a preference for businesses. Yeah, mostly because of the uh, entrepreneurial spirit and the, uh, like with business being the uh, greatest vehicle for personal development that you could ever imagine. Mm. Uh, Even, Even greater than marriage and fatherhood? Well, I make that claim. I make that claim. I think it's a Jim Rohn quote, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Um, but the truth is they take turns. Mm. The most important vehicle for personal development could be your business one moment. Mm. It could be your marriage the next, and it could be parenting the next because uh. parenting is the other great work. It's like my mom used to say, she raised five of us. Parenting is the hardest work you'll ever do. Mm. Um, because there's this mini version of, you know, the sacred mirror, and they're going to just reflect back to you how you're showing up for them. And uh, it's a part of the initiation hmm. um, is is the fatherhood piece and doing the father work is a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reminded of this 
uh, trifecta you talked about, and they all seem pretty equal in, in importance. Um, what do you love about being a man, Gabriel? Um, I guess I just love the freedom in it. And mm. uh, I love being, being free to create. Hmm. And well, I think when I boil it right down, that's what I define a man as is freedom. Uh, and there's this term free man, like, like people say, I'm a free man. But, but the trouble is, if you if you declare you're a free man, then the, the presumption is that just being a man in and of itself means you're not inherently free. So I love the term free man. Don't get me wrong. I, we, need to, we need to shout that from the rooftops. But what has been forgotten is that just being a man and owning that is enough because you're free. You're free to choose. Mm. And, uh, and when we find that together, we create an even more powerful freedom because we create the freedom of peoplehood, the freedom of, of being a tribe, of being a people, which is a whole other um, concept uh beyond the self but an essential part of the self because we don't come into selfhood in isolation we need we need each other it's it's we're all in this together we're entangled yeah i agree last question if every man listening to this podcast was gathered in a room you were on stage and you got to give them one instruction that they will would all have perfect implementation of what would that instruction be um probably just finding gratitude in the breath just in the here and now and just thank thank them for being here and 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 being part of this conversation presence hmm. good well, thank you very much for joining me in this episode of the wish Overs podcast gabriel where can they find more about you the ones listening well um my book alive on purpose is on amazon mm. and you they can also find me on facebook uh that's the best platform to find me on and uh yeah and reach out and i have a i have a free facebook group for men <clears throat> called the uh what's it called Lionheart Relationship Mastery for Men, I believe. Mm. And then uh, I have a course called The Lion's Roar. That's mm. a pathway for men to work with me. And then, um, yeah, that's that's what I can say for now. Great. I have a YouTube channel, too. I just started a couple months ago. So find me on YouTube if you search my name and you'll see more of my my face and my hear my words. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Wayshowers podcast. For any of the relevant links to today's guest, you can check the show notes under this podcast. 
If you want to join the Ground and Glory Guild, the men's community that I have set up for men who are pursuing a life of thriving under God, you can find that on groundandglory.com. And also, if you should be interested in working with me directly, you can go to ivanfshellum.com. And since you probably won't be able to write that, you can find that link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And I hope to see you in the next episode.